What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're watching via YouTube or listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast Breaker, Overcast, and Radio Public. There's a lot that you can find us on, so hopefully you're listening. And I just have to take a second, okay, before we get into everything. You can follow us on Twitter or whatever, at Stephen Priest Jr. for myself, at Brandon underscore Stoll for Brandon. Everybody knows we're international, right? We got listeners in Germany and England. Great, great, great. Whatever, whatever, whatever. We love those guys. We have a listener in Serbia. (laughs) Okay, this is not a joke. If this is any way Nikola Jokic or somebody related to Nikola Jokic, I love you. Seriously. I don't think he's in Serbia, though, right now. He's not. He's not. Uh, (laughs) At least I don't think he would be. But... When I saw that on our uh, on our ho- our podcast hosting platform, I about lost my stuff. So <laughs> thanks to whoever's listening in Serbia, we appreciate it. I tried to learn how to say thank you in Serbian, and I could not understand the Google translation that the man was trying to say. So I'm just going to say thank you and hope that you uh, speak English and understand me that way. <laughs> but we appreciate you listening. Really, anybody that's listened for, for any amount of time, one second to the whole podcast or even halfway through, we appreciate your plays, your listens, your clicks. And uh, all the slander for Brandon for wanting to trade Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I appreciate that as well. Uh, we got a huge show to, for you guys today. A lot of NBA Nuggets themes. Uh, we got we got some breaking NBA news. It looks like they've settled on a destination for yep. where we're going to have the league uh, return and restart. Don't necessarily know what the playoff, or, or I should say what the format is going to be just yet. But at least we have a site, so we know it's for sure coming back, and we have a target date of July 31st, I believe, is the date that they've settled on. So that looks like that's in the works. But before we get to that, this was kind of this idea was spawned by an article uh, from from someone with the Athletic, Nick Cosmiter. Shout out to him for writing the articles, but it, it gave us a springboard to say, "Oh, that's an interesting topic. We should we should hit that up on the uh, on the podcast." What's best for the Denver Nuggets when they return to play? Is it the going the route of having some regular season games? Is it jumping right into the playoffs? It's an interesting conversation. So now that we know it looks like basketball is coming back, which would you prefer for this team? What I mean, is it is it regular season play to get some tune-up, or do you want them to jump right into the playoffs? Well, the thing is, is if, if they all come back and play, jump right into the playoffs, right? Everyone's on an even playing field. Everyone's been out, sitting out for however long it's been. Um, but I think there's other teams that have probably been doing a little bit better as far as staying in shape. And obviously the big concern is, is Jokic, right? Is he going to be back to what he was in the first, what, two months of the season? Or is he going to be like still, you know, still in shape, still in, in, you know, basketball shape and, and whatnot, like he was when the season was postponed. So that's the issue. Uh, so I think if if he's not, then it would be best for the Nuggets to have regular season games. Uh, but again, I don't. I mean, that's if if he's in shape and he's ready to go, then honestly, I don't think it matters because everyone's on an even playing field. So if every if everyone is ready to go, and uh, everyone's kind of at the same basketball shape in the same basketball shape, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with either way, but I guess it, it really depends on Jokic. And I mean, obviously he's the Nuggets best player. He's the most important player. So he has to be ready. And if he's not, then unfortunately for the Nuggets, they're going to, they're going to be at a, at a disadvantage. 
Yeah, and I don't know if you saw it the other day, but I almost about lost my mind second to us finding a Serbian listener of our podcast when I saw a picture floating around on Twitter of Nikola Jokic. I don't know if it's recent or not, but man, he might look underweight now. And now I'm concerned the other way. Uh, Now, it's great that he's not 450 pounds eating bonbons all day, but he looked very skinny. I don't know if you saw that photo. And again, I don't know if it's recent, but it looks like if it is recent, he's staying in shape that he's he's skinny um i don't know if he's gonna be able to throw his weight around like he was at the end of this or you know during this season when he was just bullying guys but i mean i'm sure you know putting on weight wouldn't be a a hard challenge (laughs) for nikola Jokic. so if he's if they were like hey nikola you need to gain 15 he'd say say no more give me those crumble cookies with steven that would be great but if i had to choose as well uh so so you said you, i'm okay you, with them going right into the play- if he's playoffs, ready to go i'm ready i'm i'm let's go to the playoffs i i think i prefer some sort of tune-up just to kind of really just not just for the nuggets in general just but but for everybody really i mean at least the teams that are going to be in the playoffs mm-hmm. maybe it's you know, five to 10 games of regular season play. And I know that's tough because now you're asking teams that really aren't going to be in contention to, you know, have to come back and and have some sort of inherent risk with that, with the virus and everything. Or maybe you just do it like hockey in a way where it's, where it's a round Robin tournament Mm -hmm. or, or maybe you just, Hey, you get the 16 teams that are going to be in the playoffs. And then, you know, those one through eight teams in each conference have them play, you know, five randomized games, uh, between each other and at, at least you're playing playoff competition at that point uh, getting ready to head into the playoffs because I don't know if jumping straight into playoff basketball is I mean a seven game grueling series and, and you wouldn't want to shorten the series right because that would yeah. kind of just take away from everything but I also I, think that would be an advantage for the Nuggets just jumping in because you look at they're one of very few teams who have that chemistry and they can just jump right into it and go I mean, we see it, we've seen it in regular season games. I mean, they just they kind of just do whatever for three quarters, and they're like, okay, let's turn it on. I think they're one of the very few teams that can do that. And if you're playing Dallas or if you're playing Houston, they can't do that. Neither of those teams as a whole can do that. There are certain players on those teams that can do it, but as a team, they can't do that. So I think it would actually benefit the Nuggets to jump right into the playoffs and take advantage of maybe being able to turn that switch on a little bit quicker than, say, Houston or Dallas. And at least it would help them through the first round. Because, I mean, that's what I'm kind of concerned about. I mean, can they really, if the season continued and they had to play Dallas, I don't think they would be able to beat Dallas. So maybe this gives them a little bit more of an edge. I mean, it could do the opposite, I guess. It could easily do that. But from what I've seen from, from the Nuggets, I mean... I think they could easily just kind of turn that switch back on because we 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 watched it all season long. I mean, it drove us nuts, but that might be the advantage uh, for for them right now. And I'm trying to remember the tweet of where I saw it, but they also had the um, you know, it was like a proposed idea to where they would have kind of like in soccer where they have you know groups and they group each team and all that. I'm trying to find that tweet because the, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, you don't you don't know if the Nuggets would be able to beat the uh, the Mavericks, but I'm looking at the group that the Nuggets would have been in in these proposed groups, and it was like it was like the Nets, uh, the Mavs, and all the, the Pacers. And I'm just like, 
I look at all these teams, the Kings. I was like, I don't know if the Nuggets can beat any of these teams because I could see the Nuggets easily losing to all of these teams if it really well, came down to I don't to think it. they lose to the Kings, but... They they did earlier this year. I yeah. think both games against the Kings went down but, to the wire, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but that's them looking down on their competition. and I think I think when they come back, it will be a little bit more of, all right, we need it. We need to go. Like we need to play at one hundred percent all the time, and I think that's kind of something that's hurt them a lot. Is they they at least with this season because like if you go ahead and watch them last season, I think they played hard every night for the most part. Yes, and I agree. they were trying to get that number one seed. Like they were they were playing hard every night. I think this season, even though they were on pace to having the same record, if not better, which is kind of crazy. They were not playing hard 100% of the time. They were playing hard maybe 60% of the time and only when they needed to. So to me, when they come back, as long as everyone is, again, everyone is going to be on a pretty much an even playing field as far as being in basketball shape. I think the one concern obviously is Jokic. But other than that, if if Jokic is, is, is good to go and he's kind of up to where everyone else is, then they're going to play hard and they're going to be they're going to I think they're going to play at maybe not their highest possible level but they're going to be pretty close because they they have that I mean what did we what have what did everyone talked about going into the season they have the chemistry right they this team has been together for the last 3 4 years at least the core of it and you're you're implementing Grant and Porter and I get that but at the same time they're role guys so you can kind of put them in in certain spots when you need to. And really in the playoffs, I doubt Porter is even going to play. So And Jeremy Grant seemed to kind of get everything together pretty quickly. So I think they have that advantage of, okay, we can turn it on whenever we want. And because of that, now when we enter the playoffs and, and we'll enter this whatever situation, I think that's going to be a big advantage for them over guys or over other teams who like Houston, especially when they had just changed their whole system, they traded Capella, you know, they went to this really undersized group and what a couple weeks later, the season gets postponed. So I think they're, they were still trying to figure things out. So if they get to play Houston in the first round, they might sweep them because I don't think Houston is going to be able to figure it out unless James Harden and Russell Westbrook absolutely carry the crap out of that team but even then i mean i don't know if that's enough i really don't so i mean i think that's kind of i would rather as a nuggets fan i think i would rather just jump right into it because you need to take advantage of the chemistry that you have before they before the rest of the teams catch up which is would be probably round two yeah, I mean, they have the chemistry for sure, but it, it just feels like even with that chemistry that the offense wasn't clicking. And for whatever reason that was, whether it was – I mean, I can't explain to you why it was because we, we just don't I have any idea. I think it was idea. focus. I really do. I just – I think they were – they realized that they could win games without having to play 100% of the time. And, and we saw what happened when they did play 100% of the time in the regular season. They got That's tired. That's such a dangerous method. Though. Yeah, but at the same and time, and I don't think they're good enough to have that mentality. Well, I don't think I they mean, have the players. They were on pace to win in the off. same amount of games. Can you imagine? For if, sure. If they play, if they were playing one hundred percent the whole season, 
they'd probably be like on pace of, to beating last year easily and maybe winning 60 games. Well, that's the funny part about this whole thing. So, like, you have to look at the, the context of this entire Nuggets team. Like, we're, like, we're slamming them, and it's like, oh, my God, just something feels off. But then they're on pace to winning around the same amount of right. games as they did last year. And now it's like last year they went balls to the wall, and then now this year it's like they they pick and choose their moments. And I'm like – and I do I don't think that they're good enough to have that mentality. They they can do it against bad teams, yes, but against like the Lakers, the Clippers, they they can't do that. Well, but against they those came teams. out of the gate playing hard against those teams. I mean, we saw the Lakers except game except for right the before. Clippers. That last Clippers game, they got completely yeah. demolished. But the the Laker game right before uh, the All Star break, they lost in overtime. Yes. I yes. mean, they came out and they played great, and that's that was a team in the Lakers that was playing. I mean, they were playing incredible at that point. And going, I remember going into that game, I was like, the Nuggets are going to get demolished. I mean, they're yeah. going to lose by 20, 30 points. And they came out, and, I mean, it was close throughout the whole game. So that was the game where I think that showed me that they, when they, when they play teams like Atlanta or even Memphis or whoever, they're just not going to come out of the gate focused and ready to go they're just not but if it is the lakers if it is the bucks who they beat twice uh and and once with seven guys they're gonna they're gonna come out and they're gonna play hard and they're gonna be ready to go and when you have that core ready to go and playing hard they're i mean like Jokic, jamal um i mean gary on the defensive end i mean on the offensive end it doesn't matter how hard he's playing i mean it's just it's, that's just rough that's, it's just that's bad tough to watch <laughs> but even will barton i mean when when he's yeah. focused and ready to go he's playing really well with those guys wait hold on hold on hold on did you just compliment will barton when he's on focused the podcast? he's focused about two percent of the time so oh, you know that's that's the problem will barton <laughs> i see it when it's but again it's i mean that's team. the thing is they they showed that against good teams when they want to show, you know how how good they are, they're going to come out and play well. And and we saw it in the playoffs last year. I mean, really, in every game last year, they played extremely hard. And I mean, did they ever get blown out in one of those playoff games? Maybe one. Um, I think there was probably a game in San Antonio right. where they didn't play great. I, I'm I don't think it mean, was they... game three when they went down two one. I'll look back, but I, I don't really remember one game where it was like, okay, they just didn't come to right. play today. Right, and that's that's a constant issue that we've seen in the regular season this year, and maybe not yeah. last year, but the year before. And they went into the playoffs, and they're ready to go. And that's so I trust that they're going to be able to do that again because that team that we saw in the playoffs, which is a team that's pretty much the same exact team as this year, at least the, the group that's going to be playing – those eight uh-huh. nine guys that are with that will be playing. It's pretty much the same other than one guy or two, maybe if Porter is playing. So, if that's the case, I trust that they're going to come out and they're going to be playing hard right out of, right out of the gate. And the way they played against Dame, and the way they were able to kind of trap him and shut him down, do you, they they can do that against Luca. You know, they can do that against James Harden. They know how to play against. They they've always seemed to play well against, at least kind of figure it out. Russ and Russ Westbrook ever since he went to Houston, so they can kind of, 
like they can kind of they know how to at least with those guards being able to trap them up high and if you're doing that consistently like they did against mm. against Damian Lillard last year then they'll be able to do it this year and so i i think i trust them as far as being able to turn that switch on i think a little bit more than other people um because to me they proved it and i get they don't have a lebron a giannis to to i guess make you a little bit more confident that they could do it but i mean as a team i think they've shown that they could do it yeah i'm looking back at last year's playoffs and there was a few games so in game six against the spurs they lost by 17 okay they lost by 10 um in game three to the spurs yeah, so i don't remember that, that they i didn't remember that they lost game one to the spurs at home yeah, yeah, that's that's how they started it. And, I don't I mean, remember the that. same exact thing happened against Portland. They lost game one, I believe. No, they won they, game one. Yeah, they, they won. They game lost one. game two. Yeah, they lost game two yeah. and game three. But I mean, for a team to lose game one mm-hmm. at home, and then game six, you know, you're coming back home, you lost by seventeen. You got to <laughs> remember Jokic though, forty three, twelve and nine in that game, and they lost by seventeen. I remember thinking uh. that it took them a game to figure something out. So like. It took them a game to learn how to win a playoff game, right? And then it took them a game to learn how to win a road playoff game. And then it took them a game to learn how to close out a series. And so, like, that was just kind of that thing of, like, all right, when are they going to, like, it it was just, it took them a game. uh, Every new situation that they were in, it took them a game to figure it out. And so, at least in that San Antonio series. And then they did the exact same thing in the Portland series. They won game one. You lose game two. Game three was insane. I mean, they really should have won. That. We really need to do that video. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the stat line right now, and Jokic had 33, 18, and 14 in two blocks. In game three? In game three. 13 of 25, 4 of 7 for three. <laughs> you had Jamal stupid. go off for 34, 9, and 5. Like, you had you had five or four out of five starters in double digits. Millsap had 17. Gary Harris had 13. Uh, Will Barton had 22 off the bench yeah, because Torrey Craig was starting. Against Portland. Malik Beasley. I miss you, Malik. <laughs> he had 11. Oh, my God. And they lost that game. Damian only had uh, – I mean, C.J. McCollum. I mean, Damian Lillard did not play well in that series. C.J. McCollum really bailed the Blazers out yeah. in that series. Him and Rodney Hood. Okay. <laughs> you, didn't have to do that. you didn't have to do that. But, yeah, he had 19 in that game. Yeah, and I believe the majority of that was in that last overtime. And C.J. McCollum killed him in Game 7 of that series yeah. to really ice it. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, going back to to the Nuggets now, I just, again, I feel like a tune-up would be great. If they went into the playoffs, Like I, I totally understand what you're saying as far as you know, just, just capitalizing on it. Because at the end of the day, and, and you mentioned this as well, I mean, all these teams are on an even playing ground. So even though the Nuggets have chemistry, they're still going to be hurt by the suspension of play. Mm-hmm. Because each team, really probably the Lakers most more so, and probably the Clippers more so than any other teams, because they were playing at such a high clip. If anything, it's more of a detriment to them because now they have to figure out a way to carry that momentum back and, and regain it. Yeah, the it. Nuggets were not playing that high clip. <laughs> yeah, the Nuggets were were straight poo, and <laughs> it was not looking good. And yeah. like you said, the Rockets, I mean, they had just traded everybody. The tallest guy on their team was 5'8", and you know they had to go out and try and defend everybody. 
And so now it's it's an even playing field. You have the Utah Jazz who were they were kind of up and down too. I think they were yeah. just starting to elevate their play mm-hmm. a little bit after slumping. So it kind of came at a bad time for them. It would be interesting if we look at like the first round matchups though. And if if it ended today, and I don't know how they would do it. I mean, it, we still have to to to, uh, to determine that because if they go to a regular season format, then obviously you take that into play. If you like a round robin format, like the NHL is going to do, that could affect your seating. But I believe, or if even I'm not mistaken, there's been talks about them doing the one through sixteen, and yeah, I believe Denver would be playing with the Pacers. It would be the Pacers if they did 1-16. Yeah, if, the if they just yeah. took it straight into the playoffs as is, as the season ended, uh, as if it ended today, it would be the Nuggets as the three seed taking on the Houston Rockets as the six seed, which I, I don't I mean, feel I like great about that. I, I, I don't if it was Dallas, I'd be that. scared. Yeah. But Houston, I, I'm, Houston, they were – they remember the one guy that killed Denver against Houston was Capella. I mean, that sure. was really the one thing that they just – the one reason why they could not – that in the corner threes. And obviously, they they still take a lot of those corner threes. But, like, again, I mean – But I think we're missing the main why, – why was Capella such a factor? Why were they getting those corner threes? It's because nobody could stay in front of James Harden. If you can't stay in front of James Harden, he gets to the basket. You're forcing the big to come up, and that's an easy lob. Or if the big stays, he's gonna take the layup. And yeah, the but foul. they don't. They never did that trapping. What they did against Dame, they yeah, never. I don't think they've ever. They've blitzed never James. done against. Yeah, they've never blitzed James Harden. So I think that's something that right out of the gate in game one they're gonna do, and I think they will. They will easily be able to get game one because of that, and then it depends on how James Harden can adapt and if he can get past it. Unlike. Lillard was able to, but you got to remember too. In uh, the Cavs did it against uh, Golden State when they when they beat Golden State in the finals back in 2016. That's what they did. They blitzed Steph and they dared you know Clay and the other guys to beat them. And I remember you know obviously Clay played well, but uh, Harrison Barnes couldn't hit a shot. Uh, so like that. We've seen we've seen it work against guys like Steph. We've seen it work against Damian Lillard. I mean, I think if you blitz Harden and you dare Russell Westbrook to beat you from the three, if he does it, I think you just gotta say, "All right, well, crap." I mean, that's yeah. But that's I my mean, only concern, I'm willing. Though. I'm willing to take that risk because I don't think Russ can hit forty percent from three. No, Even. he can't. He's the worst free th- or free throw. He's the worst three point shooter, uh, in terms of like at his position. He might right. be one of the worst three point shooters just in all the league in general. So uh, if you if you percentage. blitz Harden and you dare him to beat you, I mean, obviously there's other guys that could that could end up, you know, mm-hmm. torching Denver from three. But again, I I think the way Denver and the way we saw them play against Portland last year, if they go ahead and do that same thing. I mean, I, I don't think Houston has more talent than that Portland team. You know, you got to remember that uh, yeah. Ennis Cantor really hurt Denver in that in that playoff series. And, you know, Houston doesn't have anyone like that. The, it's it, just concerning, though. It's because those if bigs. I was... Because, you know, even though Jokic has been playing pretty decently defensively, those bigs kill him. The, the smaller kind of uh, bigs that can, you know, the – 6'10 guys like 
like even Ennis Kanter, I believe, is maybe like seven foot, but he he plays a little bit differently. Capella really torched him. Boban killed Denver, um, and he's in Dallas. I think that's one guy that kind of scares you. Even um, uh, one, uh, I can't remember. Uh, there's someone else on Dallas that would that would kill them down low. But uh, the, the athletic uh, big that they have. Yeah, I mean those bigs just hurt them. And Houston doesn't have that guy anymore. So I mean, well, they have Chris Stapps too. So can't forget about that. Right. But I don't think uh, he really played that well against Denver. Like, uh, maybe yeah, he, he, he really hasn't found his stride there. It's no. just it's concerning to me because one, I think with Houston, if I was Houston, if if you're the Nuggets and you're, you're gonna blitz James, well now you better either have whoever's because here's the thing if they if they do that pick and roll if I was Houston how I would attack it is. Whoever Jokic is guarding, that's who I want coming to set the pick for James Harden. Mm -hmm. That way we can get Jokic out, switched out on James, and he can attack him. If you're going to blitz him, then whoever set the pick for for Harden can either, you know, obviously roll, and then now you have to have that weak side help, and now that corner's open, or that guy can flare out, and now you're relying on a P.J. Tucker or or Covington, I think he's there, uh, to hit that three. And they can do that. Now, we've obviously seen that they can go super ice cold as well. But it's just – it's a situation where it's a team that relies on volume shooting and that more likely than not will knock those down. And you have a team in the Nuggets who more likely than not will not knock those down. So it's a situation to where you could see a lot of lopsided games to where Mm -hmm. it's a 98-96 Nuggets win – and a 125 to 102 Houston Rockets win because they got hot from three. It's a it's a roll of the dice either way. I I, I wouldn't feel completely like the Nuggets don't have a chance, but if I had to choose, I'd say it's a coin flip, and I, I could see either team winning in in six or seven. And I would probably, if I had to choose, I would lean Houston just because again, the NBA ultimately comes down to do you have the best players. It comes down to your talent, and most of the time, at least. And I would take James Harden over Nikola Jokic. That's just me. I mean, he's he's the better player, and he doesn't have to depend on someone giving him the ball. He has the ball, and he can control what happens. And he's one of the best scorers in our league. Yeah, it's but just, if it's he's, a dangerous scenario. If he's playing great, let's do the opposite. If if Harden is playing great, but no one else is playing good at all, like if Russ is having a terrible series, if no one Which can is really possible. Right, if no one can really step up for for Houston and it's it's only James Harden, yeah. honestly, I'm I'm still gonna pick Denver because Harden can't beat Denver by by himself because no. Denver has well, let me, Denver has too much. Let me ask you this: Who do you trust more uh, to to back up their star? Do you trust Russell Westbrook more to be there for for Harden to be his two, or do you trust Jamal Murray more to show up for Jokic? That's what it comes down to. You, we could go down the whole rosters and who do you trust more? Because I can guarantee you, even though Russ can't shoot a lick from three, I I bank more on him making an impact in a playoff game uh, for for Harden when he needs it well, than, than Jamal making an impact for. Okay, Cola. I I would agree that I think Russ is going to play harder more a higher percentage of the time right then not just play harder but i think you can uh, bank on him having more of an impact than jamal i don't think so because if you go back and look at those two series especially that san antonio series look at the differences between uh jamal's um look at his stats between the difference between the wins and the losses 
And when they won, Jamal was averaging, I think, like 25 a game. So if he's playing well, then his impact is, I think, way more than we realize. Because because he, he was... The thing is that he was in that, especially in Game Seven uh, against San Antonio. He hit. I he he made like I think he had like six straight points right in the final couple of minutes in that game. I mean, he was he was clutch for that. For there that was team. a game that he single handedly kept them alive, and they ended up winning. Right? I, I, was it Game Seven? Uh, that they did I, that? it might have. I don't been think game, it was Game Seven. I don't think it was Game Seven because Game Seven, I think he struggled for most of the game until that fourth quarter. But you gotta. I think. I think the thing is that with with the Nuggets is, Jokic is their best player. But I still believe that Jamal might be their most important. And, and I we saw it in the playoffs last year because Jokic played mm-hmm. played great every game, even in those losses. But the ones that they the ones that they won, it was Jamal putting up twenty twenty five points. Yeah. yeah. And so they need him to play at that level. And that was his first playoff series. And I get it, it was Jokic, it was all of their first playoff series other than Paul and maybe Will. But but for I think for Jokic at 25 years old and his mentality and the way he plays the game, he can be consistent. I think for Jamal, I think he needed a couple of series, a, a playoff run to really learn that you have to play at that level every night. And if you're if you're struggling shooting the ball, then in the fourth quarter, when it matters most, you got to step up, and he did. He did it in a few of those games. It just wasn't consistent, and that's the that's the problem with Jamal. But I think he can be consistent in the playoffs. I don't think he's the guy that will ever be consistent in the regular season. I just don't, and and that's just that's just it's it's a long season. He's just not going to do that. But at twenty one, twenty two, at twenty one years old for his first playoff run, it was pretty good. Especially when you look at those wins, it was it was great. So well, that's the thing. That's the question: is is he going to be that guy at least the majority of the games? And, and if not, then no. With you bringing that up, it, it it brings me to another point to why I would be extremely nervous if we just jumped into the playoffs because now you're giving a guy who's notoriously known as being inconsistent. You're forcing him now. Now it's okay. Now it's go time. Now you have to have a sense of urgency. So now he might press even more uh, to know, okay, I've been inconsistent in the past. I have to find a way to be consistent. I just, mm, I, Jamal but, has all the talent in the world, but it's just, he's just, and I agree with you. He's probably their most valuable player in terms of, and and that's just how much we respect Nicola is because we, we expect Nicola to put up what he's going to put up and do what he's going to do. And now it's on Jamal. We need you. Like we absolutely need you to do something. And I just don't have that trust in Jamal right now. Even though he did it last year, he did it in spots. But the great ones do it every night. Yeah, I mean, but they not may in have their first. Bad game. Not in their first playoff series at 21 years old. Right. And I, and I think that's right. the, that's the thing that we forget about Jamal too is yes, he, he's not yes. even close to his prime, and he's averaging 18, 19 points per game. Five rebounds, six assists. Like he's he's doing things at his age that you know Kyrie was doing the same thing before LeBron got there, and LeBron sped up his process. And so like it it's it's the same. Like look at Dame. Look at what he was doing at at twenty one, twenty two years old. You know it wasn't maybe he was averaging a little bit more, but 
you know, Jamal is not going to be as, I don't think it's going to be as great as those two guys. But what I'm saying is at 21 years old, you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be consistent. You're not going to be that guy that we expect you, that fans expect you to be because you're not there yet. It's just that simple. He's not there yet. Unless you have a guy that can speed up that process, which I believe there's only one guy in the NBA that can do that, then it's going to take time. And that's why I always say, you know, their window is not now. And their window is based on on Jamal, really. Once Jamal hits his prime, that's their window. And, you know, Jokic will be in his prime. And, and the thing about Jokic, even when he's 33, 34, 35, he'll be able to play the same way he does now. He doesn't rely on his athleticism. It's kind of like Dirk, where Dirk was, you know, Dirk won a championship at what, 34? Something yeah, like I that. Mean, he was he was at the tail end of his prime. Right. So so that's the thing, and he was still playing great. So like like Jokic has a longer window for his prime. Whereas I think guys like Jamal, you gotta wait till he hits 25, 26, and then you're ready to go. And at that point, unfortunately for Jokic, I mean he's gonna be 30, but you're gonna have to wait for that point or 28, 29. But that, I mean, at that point, when Jamal's 26, yeah, I think Jokic is two years older. So when, when Jamal's 26, Jokic will be 28, 29. Porter will be about 24. They're all entering their prime. I, well, at least they're all in their prime. You know, Porter's probably entering it. Jamal's right in it. Jokic is right in the middle of his. So that's kind of, that's going to be their window. And I think right now, the fact that they're making the playoffs as a 2-3 seed is great because now they're learning. They're learning how to win in the playoffs, especially on the road. And they're learning. And two game sevens last year was huge for them. Like, that was – I would have rather had them do that than sweep both teams and then get swept by Golden State in the in the third round because they – it would have been too easy. It, it would have been – they wouldn't have learned anything. They learned how to – and just look at that San Antonio series. The first game, they lost. Okay, you got to figure out how to win a playoff game, like just at home. They did it in game two. Game three, they lose. Okay, now you got to learn how to win a playoff game on the road. And that's extremely difficult. And that was one thing that people did not think they could do. And they figured it out. They won game four. And, and they five. And five. But the, well, game five was at home. And then yeah. they lose game six. But then it's like, okay, well, in game six, you can close out. You're up 3-2. You can close out. And they couldn't do it. obliterated but, in game six. Right. But <laughs> again, seventeen. and especially on the road, it's hard to do. But... At the same time, it's you got to learn how to close out. Closing out a series is completely different than winning game two or in three. Like it's completely different. So you got to learn how to close out that series because that team is desperate. They're gonna play at the top of their game to stay alive. So you got to learn how to how to beat that. And they they couldn't do it in game six. They learned how to do it in game seven. Again, you go into the next series against Portland. Okay, well, last series you lost game one. You got to come out fast. You gotta, you gotta know where, you gotta, you gotta have that that intensity, right? And they did. They win game one. Game two, I don't remember really what happened in game two to be honest. Game three, that was over- one of those cold nights. Yeah, and and game three was just one of those games. I mean, four overtimes. You have chances to win. Both teams really had chances to win in all of those overtimes. I mean, it's just. I mean, I, I that's that. that's one of those. It's like, all right, well, we, you know, it's fine at this point. Like, whatever. I mean, it was a great game. Uh, but then they come back and they win game four. 
So they they had a lot of adversity in those two series, and I think that was a lot of growing up that had, they had to do in those two series. Whereas for most teams, like Golden State, when they were first starting, they beat Denver in six without Gallo, with a hurt Fareed and hurt Ty Lawson. Then they had to play San Antonio, and they got bounced pretty easily. The next year, they did the same thing. They got past the first round. They got bounced by San Antonio in the next round. So it they kind of they kind of just had to do the same thing twice to kind of really figure it out and and catch fire because that third year the next year they got to the NBA finals and that was that that was that first year and if Kyrie and Kevin Love weren't hurt they probably would have lost finals to be honest so it's just you got to kind of take it step by step and unfortunately for the Nuggets they don't have someone like you know they're not in a city where they can just like Hey, Giannis, come on over and let's speed up this process. They they just can't do that. So you gotta wait. Right. And you gotta hope that the team and the front office holds on to the guys that are most important and doesn't let one of them go like Oklahoma City did and screws them over. So it's just it's gotta it's gonna be a long process and unfortunately for the Nuggets, we're right in the beginning of it. Like we're not in the middle. <laughs> we're right they just made their first playoff run. Like that, we're right in the beginning of it, and no. they they have a lot of growing up to do, including Jokic. And and you mentioned it too, and I forget personally too. Like Jamal is still young, but yeah. he he's young in the sense of his age, but he's not young in the sense of how long he's been in the league. You know, he's he's going into his third fourth year, so I get it. There's still a lot of growing pains to be learned with a with a player like that, and he does average you know close to 19 points a game, four rebounds, five assists which is really solid numbers for someone at age 23. who just turned 23 in February. Yeah. I think it was. So it's, it, for it example, for ways. example here, how, so Jamal is 22, right? Or he, he's 23. In 23. So last year, what was his numbers last year at 22 years old? Uh, let's see. Last year he averaged uh, 18, five assists and four rebounds. Okay. And then what was his shooting percentages? Uh, last year he was at 84, 85 from the three, 37 from three, and 44 from the field. This year he was uh, down what, in three. What was his three again last year? 37. It was 36.7. I'm just rounding up. Okay. So check this out. Damian Lillard at age 22. He was actually a rookie at 22. So a little bit different because he hasn't had years in the NBA. But – Age-wise, he had more years in college, right, to figure things out. So, at age 22, Damian Lillard averaged 19 points per game, even, 19 even, 6.5 assists, 3.1 rebounds. He shot 84 from free throw, from the free throw line. Uh, he shot 36.8% from three and 42.9% from the field. It's almost identical. Pretty much identical. In his second year, at age 23... He averaged 20.7 points per game, 5.6 assists, 3.5 rebounds. He shot 87 from the free throw line, 39 from three, and 40 a little bit lower from the field, barely 42. So yeah, pretty much the same thing. It wasn't until he hit 25, where because at 24 he averaged 21, six and four. So a bit of a jump, but not really. It wasn't until he turned 25 where he averaged 25 points per game, 6.8 assists, 4 rebounds, shot 89% from the free throw line. Um, let's see. Oh, I just lost my spot here. Uh, let's see. 
37 from three and 42 from the field. So his percentages have really been pretty much the same throughout his whole career. But again, it wasn't it wasn't until at 25 that he had a big jump. Funny enough, he didn't make the All Star team uh, that year. But it it took it took some time, and it, that I think the age is the big thing. Like I get that that was only his fourth year where he was averaging 25 points per game, but he was 25. Like, he came into the league late. He had time in college to kind of learn how to be consistent. I think He was that's, more polished, yeah. Yeah, he was more polished. So, at, so I would put them kind of at the same level. Um, and their numbers at, the, at, at Damien's age is pretty similar to Jamal's. And well, his game year, if you is look similar. At Jamal's, each year, if you look at Jamal's career, he, he's made a jump. Uh, six points, uh, mm-hmm. points per game to his second year two points per game to his third year this year he was averaging 18 as well before everything got stopped we were 55 games in i believe um if i'm not mistaken or at least that's how many games he played um and started uh did jamal miss time at all this year yeah he did right he missed some time so i think we had about i don't know like 17 some odd games left so he probably would have finished around 19 maybe close to 20 mm-hmm. points per game. I don't know if he would have matched his three-point percentage from last year. Last year, he was at 37. If you round up this year, if you round up, he would, it would be as it stopped, he was at 35. So maybe he gets to 36. Yeah. He was shooting better from the field in general uh, than last year, about two percentage points. So it's pretty you know, much each the same. year he's making a jump. You know, it, it doesn't look like it's significant and it's, I don't know. It's, Here, it's here's just another example. Kyrie Irving, at uh, at 22 years old, averaged 21.7 points per game, five assists, and three rebounds. Uh, at 23 years old, he averaged a little bit lower, 19 points per game, four assists, three rebounds. It wasn't until he turned 24 and when LeBron came in that he made that jump, 25 points per game after averaging 19. So. Again, it's that 24, 25 years old where they tend to make that jump. Again, I, I just think Jamal's a year or two away, which means the Nuggets are a year or two away. It's it's that simple. I mean, it's, I could pull up Steph's. It's the same thing. You know, I could pull up any really anyone's. You have to hit. I could pull up LeBron's. I mean, he, yeah, he made it to the NBA Finals at 22. His was a little bit of a more of an incline, but still, I mean... It, it takes time. Look at Mellows. It takes time. And mm-hmm. that's just that's just how it is, especially with these point guards. I mean, it takes – because they, they have to be the leaders of the team. And uh, fortunately for, for Jamal, he has Jokic that can take some of that weight. But, it yeah. again, it doesn't matter. It takes time. It really does. It's that simple. And, I mean, I think it's it's hard for people to to really kind of remember that you know how young these guys are because they're playing at such a high level they're winning so many games like Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving they weren't winning 55 54 games at 22 years old you know that's just that doesn't happen so I think the expectations for Jamal and for the Nuggets is so much higher because they're winning so many more games but it's just you in order to win in the playoffs you have to be in your prime you don't win even LeBron. I mean, at 22 years old, he got them to the NBA Finals. I mean, that ridiculous, you know, series against Detroit, which they should not have won. 
I mean, it took that for them to make it to the NBA Finals, and then they got swept. And it was a, it was they they got demolished. It wasn't. I don't think there was a single game that was close. So like, it's just it doesn't matter who it is. You have to wait until your prime. It took Jordan to get to 27 years old to win. Why? Because he had to wait till until Pippen got to 23, 24. <laughs> and so. It again, it takes time, you know. It is just even for the second, third guys, you need them in their prime. It's that simple. I mean, you look at every single team Oklahoma City when they made it to the finals and they lost to Miami, they were all 21, 22 years old. They're, they had no chance. So it's just, and you had three future MVPs on that team, they were just too young. So it, and, it's just, and I think we have to remember too, like Jamal was. He was 18, 19 years old coming into the league after playing one year at Kentucky. So it's, I get it. It's just, I think part of it, like you said, is expectations. You're expecting this team to be there. You're expecting, you know, you see Jokic doing everything he's doing and you want someone to come along with him right now because you know if you could even get an ounce of a star coming and helping him that this team could do major things. But there has to be patience there, and and we've seen flashes of, of what Jamal could be at his ceiling, if he if he has one. Like it could be a very high star level player, but we also know that if he continues this trajectory, he could just be like a, a J.R. Smith, a guy who is streaky, inconsistent, can light it up for a game or stretches, but then have games where he's just disappearing, and you don't know where he's at, and he's shooting over, and you're just like. What is this guy doing? And, he, and you just feel like he never reached his full potential. It's an interesting Nuggets team. And I swear last night I had a dream about just watching the Nuggets and, and just the stress levels were shooting through the roof because I just, that's one thing I'm not looking forward to is just watching this team again. As much as I want to see basketball again, I'm not ready for the anxiety and the stress level that they're going to bring me, especially if we jump right into the playoffs. Like <laughs> you didn't even give me time to like prepare myself for a letdown. Now I'm in it. Now I'm fully invested. And I just, I just don't know where to go with this team, but it, it's an interesting topic that you mentioned earlier about Michael Porter jr. Yeah. And what his outlook might be in the playoffs. I'm interested to think about what his minutes will look like, because if we remember in the season, you know, he didn't get minutes early and then he had a stretch where he was like, okay, he had about a five to like seven game stretch where you're like, whoa, this guy is popping and he was starting to get, you know, 20, 20 ish minutes a game. And then he hurts his ankle and then he comes back and then it was, okay, we're going to put you out there. Oh, now you're, you're, now you're screwing up defensively. Now we're going to take you out. And then there was a couple DMPs on those box scores. And then there was a couple games where he didn't play, you know, more than 10 minutes a game or something like that. And now with the suspension, I wonder where Michael Malone is at with Michael Porter Jr. and how he can use him. Because I can guarantee you, if, if, if I had to choose today, in my gut, I don't think MPJ breaks the, the lineup at all. No. I think it's it's going to be Unfortunately. starting five. I think it'll be, you know, guys like Tory Craig. Um, there's no Wancho to get time, thank God. Wancho was a great guy, but he was killing me. There's no Malik, which I think they're going to regret at some point. So if we go through the rotation, obviously Jamal, Gary, Nicola, Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, uh, Jeremy Grant, Will Barton. You're, you're already at seven right there. You know, Tory Craig, he's Monte. that French guy, Monte Morris. So that's nine right there. 
how does Michael Porter Jr. break into that, especially now if you go straight into the playoffs where the intensity and the urgency is ratcheted up a thousand percent? I just don't think he sees any time unless it's a blowout. No, he won't. And the unfortunate thing, I'm looking at his per 36. It just makes me mad. Do you Take a guess of what his per 36 looks like. Um, He was probably at, I don't know, 20, 22, 25-ish points. I would say no. Okay. It was at 19 points. Okay. Okay. 19 points per game. If he, if he played 36 minutes per game, for those who don't know, the per 36 minutes takes your, uh, minutes per game. Uh, so I think normal, let's see, what is his normal minutes per game right now? 14. So it's Mm -hmm. your, he's, so he's averaging 14 minutes per game right now. If you just kind of raise that up to 36 and make that difference to his, you know, other stats as well. Uh, so he'd be averaging 19 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game, uh, two assists per Jeez game. <laughs> uh, 10.7 rebounds. A steal and a block per game as well, and just two turnovers per game. Uh, shooting 42% from – man, he was shooting 42% from three, 50% from the field. I mean, offensively, there's no reason why he should not be playing. Like, it just – and that's what they need. Like, and I, I get what Malone, where Malone is coming. I get it, but you need this guy. Like, he's exactly what the team is missing. Like, if you look yeah. at the team, he's the, he is the missing piece. That's why everyone is so excited. That's why, he, that's why Malone gets questions about him every single interview. It's always a, there's always at least one or two questions about Porter. Why didn't he play? You know, he, he played. What did you think about him? Is he going to play more? Constantly, every single day. I think coaches and there's a reason. Much. Like, just look at the 19, 10.7, a block and a steal per game, shooting 50, 40, and 77% from the free throw line. Well, I mean, that's that's the per 36. So that's... Right, what, but if you play, but I mean, him, they're they're taking the you know they're they're mathematically trying to determine that. So, you know, that's that could be his average, and it could, de- could it, his percentages could decrease because he's playing more, maybe taking more shots. It right. could, right? But at the same time, have you seen his shot? Do you really think he's going to lower that much? Okay, well, maybe he's shooting thirty-eight from three. That's the other issue I have with Jamal because, like, this guy is in year one, and you see this, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, but it's also not consistent though. It's it's true. Ve- it's very but he's year one. He's year one as opposed to year four. And, and I like when yeah, you but see this guy was supposed guy to be the number this? one overall pick, though. You're exactly. talking about you're talking about exactly. the guy who was supposed to be number one and a guy who wasn't even the first point guard off the list. Right. No, that's true. But it, it just that's where it also gets me with Jamal, because it's like at the end of the day, if you you know when a player in any sport is special, you, yeah. you just see it. And with MPJ, and that's why, to your point, Michael Malone gets questions all the time of, why don't you play MPJ? Because everybody sees, oh my God, this kid could be a unicorn. And I agree with you. Like, Nicola is the guy right now, but you look down the list, and that could be the guy in a few years. Like, he has that talent. Not not just on on this team. (laughs) Yeah, not just on this team, (laughs) but like, he could be like, hey, that's a guy top five that the Nuggets have right now. That's a guy that league. New York is already preparing to offer a max deal in seven years. Easily. 
easily. That's a guy that the Lakers want to pluck. Right. That's a guy that these teams, the Clippers, when Kawhi's got that MPJ now, granted, he has his own setbacks. He has the injury mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that. So you, you just don't know with a guy like him. But best case scenario, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. I mean, like, best you know, case poor scenario, man's Kevin Durant stuff. I mean, if you're saying that he's going to reach his best case scenario, you're telling me that he's going to be an MVP. He has that, that talent. he will win MVP at some point. If yeah, you're saying if someone t- came down and said, all right, Michael Porter is going to hit his max potential and he's going to be healthy. It is everything is going to go the way that it's going to be perfect. Then that means I'd say you're where, he's, me, where is he playing? <laughs> he must not be in Denver. Where is he playing? Where did he leave us for? <laughs> That's right. what I'd say. I mean, essentially, yeah. I mean, you're like, okay, well, I guess he's playing for the Lakers now. But yeah. you're saying yeah. then that means you're telling me that he's going to win at least one MVP, at least maybe two, maybe three, and he's going to be he's going to be a champion. He's going to win a championship. I don't know for who, but that's that's where he, and he's going to win finals MVP. So frustrating because that's you see with this guy, you see with this guy what he can do. And I like like you said, I get with Michael Malone. I get what he's trying to do. I know he wants to win now. And ultimately, at the end of the day, he, it's about his job security, too, to an extent. Right. Like he has to win. He has to capitalize yeah, on this team like George Carl mistake. couldn't. But it's the same but, damn mistake every coach makes. And they get fired. You know, when we when they hired Malone and we were we were at Met Radio at the time and we were doing a show. And what did we say? Well, I, I know what I said. This is their gap guy. This is the guy that's going to develop these young players and they're going to pass it on to another coach and that coach is going to take him to the next level. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I still say the same thing. I still see the same. It's, it's like Mark Jackson. And then that was grand. That was a little different, I think, but you can't, you can't tell me that Steve Kerr is not a better coach. Because he took that team who lost in the second round for the second straight year against San Antonio to the NBA Finals, and they won. I See, I don't know. Would it have been that much different if Mark Jackson would have stayed? Things clicked. Things clicked. Sure. Uh, however but... way you want to say uh, Do you really think that if they would have won right. the NBA Finals in the next, that next year with Mark Jackson? I mean, I'm not sure. It was an issue between him and the GM at the time. It, right. I don't think it was an issue with his coaching style but I think, or what he was doing. No, but I think what Steve Kerr did, though, I, I think the addition of Steve Kerr and, and removing Mark Jackson was a new voice. And sure. it was to guys like Steph, to guys like Clay and Draymond, it just clicked with him. And he was able to, and you got to remember, Steve Kerr won, had four championships at that point as a player. So he, there's things that Steve Kerr knew and that he could get that team to do that I don't think Mark Jackson could have done. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for, for the Nuggets to fire Malone because I love Malone. He's one of my favorite coaches in the league. I mean, he gets endorsement from guys like Greg Popovich. Like, like that's, the, that's, you know, that's what makes me think, okay, well, Malone can be that guy. But, I mean, it's just... I, I'm seeing the same damn mistakes that these other coaches make have made in the past, and it got them fired. And what happened? They they hired a new coach, and that new coach went on to win championships. Like it's, it's a fine it's balance. The same thing. It's a fine balance for him too, because I understand like how he could be put in a predicament. Do I do I want to capitalize on what we have now and try and you know win now 
which as a coach, they're not going to, you know, as their pride as a competitor, they're not going to say we have no chance. But realistically, everybody knows the Nuggets have a, a very slim chance to even ever win an NBA yeah. Finals as currently constructed. Or do I sacrifice five to seven wins each year and let a guy like MPJ go out there, get his bumps, get his bruises? Hopefully he stays healthy, but it could pay off in two seasons to where, okay, now you have prime Jokic. Hopefully you have a prime Jamal Murray that's more consistent, that's averaging somewhere between 22 to 24 points per game. And now you have an MPJ who's going into his third or fourth year and he's a legitimate all-star level player. It's it's a fine balance of what you want to do and you have to have that trust in your front office. And, and I don't that's the thing we don't know. We don't know where that's at because I believe he signed a one-year extension, correct? If I, yeah, he was on he was going into the last year of his contract this year, and I think they signed him to a one-year extension for next year. So yeah. to me, that tells me that they they have faith in him, but it's still a wait and see game. And and who right. knows, maybe it could be him asking just, hey, just give me one year um instead of signing long term. Or it could be them saying, We love you, Mike. But we just kind of still want to wait yeah. and see how this plays out. Well, and that's where I defend Malone because it's not like they're giving him a three, four-year deal and telling him you got time. Yeah. You know? And so, exactly. like, that's the hard thing. And if you're in Malone's position, I mean, to be honest, I'd probably be doing the same thing. Exactly. Unfortunately. And that's where you have to That's where and, you have to but, kind of level with them. But what that means, though, is that what eventually is going to happen is the same thing that happened to Mark Jackson. You know? And it's going to be the same thing that happened to – uh, to Scotty Brooks over in Oklahoma City. You know, it's the same thing that's going to happen to all these guys. Uh, Doug Collins in Chicago. You know, they let him go for Phil Jackson. So mm-hmm. it, it's just like the it, it ha- it's happened with so many teams. I mean, the very the one team that it really didn't and the one coach that it really didn't happen to was Greg Popovich. But to be honest, I don't know where I don't know if Pop coached for another team before San Antonio. And he might have, I, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. So it's just, you know, you got to hope that Malone is going to be the Greg Popovich of the Denver Nuggets, but at the same time, he could very easily be the Mark Jackson of the Denver Nuggets. Like it, it's just, it, you know, but the, the, also the other thing for those people who are advocating for the Nuggets to let go of Malone is okay. Well, who are you going to go out and get? Right. I mean, Golden so State had a at- great opportunity to get Steve Kerr. I'm looking at the extension too right now, and it looks like he's actually been signed through the 22-23 season. Okay, then he has no excuses now. (laughs) So it's a couple years. So yeah, I mean at this point, time. I mean he's got you know what next year, so 2021 he's got 21-22, and then that 22-23 is the last season. So he's got three more seasons on top of this season. Yeah, so I mean, now it might be a situation to next year, which if next year MPJ's not a, like the sixth man coming off the bench or a starter, <laughs> I don't know if he'll start. But if I he's mean, not if he wins, the he could win it. Man, I would sure. be shocked if he won sure. that starting spot. I mean, that is and maybe the that's spot. that's a nudge that comes from Tim. Uh, that that's like, hey, let's yeah. let's let's get this guy because I don't know what Will Barton's contract looks like. I mean, they could um, easily do something too where they trade. Gary, uh, and maybe they trade Gary for someone that can play the four and to replace Millsap, and then they move Barton to the two and move MPJ to the three. But then you're losing a lot of defense. You're gaining length, 
but yeah. you're losing a lot. I don't know. Or they could just move Gary to the bench, put Barton at the two, keep Millsap at the four, or even if you let go of Millsap, you have Jeremy Grant at the four. And you well, it's funny you Porter mentioned Jeremy Grant because Jeremy Grant has a player option. Yeah. And he's been – they actually – yesterday I saw something on it that he's looking to decline his player option, which is Makes smart as a, as a player yep. because, I mean, if you're playing well, you want to decline that to – you know, maximize what you can gain. If you're playing terribly, then yeah. you want to exercise. He's also on a very option. small deal. That right. Can... So that's an interesting situation because what do you do with a guy like Jeremy Grant? You're gonna have to let Millsap go unless Millsap takes a big discount, which yeah. Millsap should. I mean, it's not like he's gonna get thirty million somewhere else. No. So they can and they can decline his. They can decline. They're gonna decline. Or actually, no, he's done. Never mind. They already accepted that option, but. Because uh, he only had a, what, a three-year deal, but the third was a team option. I don't know how the Nuggets got that contract. Whatever. I don't know why Millsap did that. Um, but I guess it worked out at the end of the day. But he's not going to make $30 million. So that opens up $30 million for the Nuggets. Like, if I, it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, Paul's a UFA next year at 35. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate because uh, you kind of wish that it would have been next year where they would have opened up all this money. Because they could have, I mean, you never know. I mean, they could have tried to get Giannis over here. Um, but now you have a bunch of money to where you can re-sign Jeremy Grant and give him a nice deal. You obviously like love him. Like, there's you know, there's no reason why you you wouldn't re-sign him uh, unless some team is offering him thirty million. Then I don't think you would do it. But yeah, the free agency class coming up this year. I mean, you have Gordon Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, if he he has a player option, I'm sure he'll probably exercise into that honestly because it's yeah. 31 million. Paul Millsap will be there. Uh, Demar Derozan has a player option of 27 million, and then after that, I mean, if Anthony Davis opts out of his 25, which he most likely will to sign a bigger deal. Yeah. But it looks like he's probably going to stay in LA. But once you get outside Man, that of that, Demar I mean, Derozan no... one is interesting. Uh. At 31. Man. It, it's funny. It makes sense for some reason. I don't really know why. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't give you an example. But it just makes sense that he would come here to Denver. It just could he make more than twenty seven million a year on his next contract at thirty one though? I don't know. I think I think Denver would be willing to offer him right around the same. So that's after next season. So not this year, but next season. Uh, so, but but essentially, he could be a free agent this year. If you I think he, yeah. I think he will opt out though, because he could go yeah. for a long term. He could deal. still get a, a good contract. Yeah. So I 30. think he was, and I don't think he wants to be in San Antonio. It's a it's a team that's kind of floundering after what they were. Yeah. So I think he opts out. I think Denver is in the run for him. But I if really you bring do. in a Demar Derozan, then you're trading Gary Harris. You're, so essentially, what you're doing what does is that you're, do for Will Barton. You're letting Millsap go. You're trading Gary Harris. Will Barton either comes off the bench or starts at the three, or DeRozan starts at the three. Um, so you either two? start you, one of them. So it's Jamal, Barton, DeRozan. You let Millsap go, so you probably start Jeremy Grant since you're going to have to pay him a decent amount of money. And you go with Jokic. Off the bench, You got it opens up space for MPJ. Uh, Monte Morris. You gotta sign. You gotta figure out your backup center. So do you try and resign Plumlee? Do you go out and get a different center? So you gotta figure that out. And then uh, that's eight. You, um, I guess you have 
Tory Craig still. You you kind of just fell in. I think Tory's a free agent this year. Yeah, they might re- they might resign Tory. I don't I don't know, but I mean, what happens with Bull it's Bull? Is Bull Bull gonna be healthy enough to play? And that's the one too that we keep forgetting. He gets lost in all of this. What type of player I, he, he could be? He's gonna be your backup <laughs> center. I mean, at some point, I don't know if it's next. I doubt it. It's gonna be next year, but maybe the year after. He's gonna be what Porter was this year. Next year, I think, probably. Could the Nuggets have easily the most interesting team in the NBA? Oh yeah, I mean, I because, mean, when you look at because you look team, at their cap space, because they're in the same. It's funny they're in the same situation as Golden State was, where you you've all these guys are homegrown, so you can take advantage of bird rights and you know rookie contracts and all this. Like they're they're in a very similar situation to where they could. There's a scenario and it's crazy and again we've talked about it on the show, but uh-huh. you know there's there's just there's a scenario where you could go out and sign Giannis in 2022, like there is that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so, ju- I'm not even speaking essentially money. from mean, the from from a money standpoint. I'm talking most interesting in that you look at the players they have, a guy like Jamal Murray, but like the the, the unique talent that they could yeah. possess. It, with a guy like Jokic and what he brings, a guy like MPJ and what he could bring, and the possibility of a bull bull, a guy who's what what is he seven two seven three He's, can yeah. handle like a guard, can shoot uh, from anywhere on the floor. Obviously, he's thinner than a toothpick, <laughs> yeah. but and the injuries, I mean, you gotta, yeah, yeah, and he's got the foot issue, but it's such a weird team of like unicorns yeah. <laughs> that right. they right. they have funny colors and their horn is kind of lopsided well, it's funny. okay but okay let's let's play this game who does jamal compare to in the nba right now a star a star point guard we just talked about him damian lillard right i mean i think that's the one guy that you could probably compare him to the most i mean i guess his statistical trajectory yes but like if i'm his physically size, comparing him his size though his shooting ability He's a, he's bigger than Dame though. Dame's like six two. Jamal's like six four. Jamal's I mean I think Dame is six three. Hold on, I have him up here. I would say I mean if I had to think of a Jamal oh, Dame Murray, is six two. Jamal Murray comparison. I see I see Damian Lillard's game in him, especially the way he shoots. I don't really know about uh, maybe I don't know anyone else. I think he I mean I think he's a mixture of those type of guys. He's a he's a right. new arrow combo guard to where they can step out their their volume shooters um but he's got a little bit of Kyrie in him in mm-hmm. in that he can make some tough yeah. shots and and finish in well, in weird ways. Dave he's a t- he's a too. tough shot maker which is stupid to me cuz Jamal say, can have an open 3 and miss it but right. like make a 360 you're on his back leg. Let's play this game. Say, let's say everyone hits their star potential. Okay, so Jamal. Oh let's let's say Jamal is oh Damian. No. Let, let's My put them all on beating. the team. Essentially, so don't let's, tease me. Let's compare Jamal to Damian Lillard because we've been doing that okay. all show. So let's put Damian Lillard on a team. Okay, now let's put. Uh, who does, who does Gary Harris compare to? See if well, he let's hits not it, slander Gary Harris more today. Okay, well let's just say if if Gary Harris hits his star level highest potential possible, his best he's case only scenario again, potential. He's only twenty five. Best case scenario potential for Gary is like a a poor man, like a very poor man's Clay Thompson. He can d you up. He can shoot mid range. He's not really going to step out in the third, but very 
I'm trying to think of a of a three in mid range guy, not a th- or, or a D in mid range, not a three and D guy, but a, a D Demar Derozan. Yeah, but Demar's not really been known for his defense though. That's the thing, cool. and like uh... all the all the defensive stoppers that you think of. I mean, they're they're you know like Pat Beverly. He's on one. What end, you just said you know, with mid range and D is Kawhi Leonard, but he's never going to be Kawhi Leonard. No, Jimmy Butler. Uh, okay, okay, closer. Yeah, uh, like a very poor man's version of those guys. I mean, best case scenario for Gary is he's a fifteen to eighteen point per game guy. Right. That's best okay. case. Okay. And we're so, struggling to get to fifteen. Like we're so, really struggling. So it's hard. It's hard. Okay, let's put. Damian Lillard, a poor man's Jimmy Butler, okay, Porter, obviously Kevin Durant. That's Kevin Durant light. Okay, yeah. uh, then let's put oh, Jokic. So Jokic is Jokic. Jokic you can't is really Jokic. compare anyone yeah, to him. Yeah, like he's he's just one of his own. And then Bobo. And say Bobo hits his one. hits his max. He's that's like a poor Zingas, Kevin Durant type of like mix those guys a little bit. I would say he he's probably got better handle than a Porzingis, um, but he's similar in that they're big guys, you know, seven mm. two ish, right. can they handle, can shoot. Can shoot. I, I would say Porzingis is probably a good comparison, like that type of. No, okay. I'm not going to say so, he is so Porzingis, we just but put like together. We just put literally an all star team together. We put Damian Lillard with Jimmy with the poor man's Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, and Porzingis. Slash Kevin Durant. And in true Nuggets fashion, they get swept in the first round. <laughs> but you like you said, that. though, it is the most interesting, probably the most interesting team in the league. It is. Because but it you comes have the potential with, of all those guys. It comes with a lot of question marks. You can yeah. go down that list of each guy, though, and you can list a legitimate question mark. Oh, what yeah. is it for Jamal? It's the inconsistencies. Can mm-hmm. he take that step? What is it with Gary? Can he just be productive? <laughs> that's that's the question mark with Gary. On the uh, MPJ. Bank. Yeah, MPJ. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, he's the talent. Can, he, can he stay can he, healthy? Can he even get on the floor? Can he understand exactly. defensive concepts, even the offensive right. concepts? Can he get there mentally? With Nikola, you know, it's the intensity, the consistency of dominating every night because you're the guy. It's it's that, and then with Bull Bull, it's also the health thing. Yeah, uh, with that as well. So I mean, every guy has like, oh my god, if you reach max potential, and you could do this with every team if every guy reaches their max potential. But like this team has such yeah. unique talent up and down the board that it's like, oh my god, if if they could really just even reach seventy five percent of what they could possibly, they need do. what happened to Golden State happen to them because Golden they need State what just okay, got what happened to OKC. That's what they need. Well, yeah, I mean yeah, you had three I mean, MVPs on one team, but none of them really hit their. I mean, only two of them hit their prime on the team. Yeah, I mean, well, the third couldn't. You know, he's coming off the bench and who. I'm curious, who did they have starting over James Harden on those teams? I don't know. Was it Tabo Cephalosha? Uh, yeah, probably. Was he the three? Which makes sense because you want a, de- a defensive guy. But I mean, you look back on that. Yeah, but at the time, James Harden wasn't James Harden. He was no, like, he was, uh, but he was really good though. He, he was, was good coming off the bench. He yeah, was but like he a couldn't play fifteen points per game. He still can't. No, so, no, but he so was. You don't start that solid. guy. You don't start that no. guy. No. Yeah, I mean that's OKC what you need, teams. and then you just need to be able to keep them together as long as you can which which fortunately for them bobo's on a rookie contract porter's on a rookie contract jamal and, and Jokic are paying you got a big time discount on gary harris 
So which which honestly it might look like right now you're overpaying for Gary Harris yeah, with the way well, he's playing. Yeah. No disrespect, Gary. We're just speaking facts here. But they have the when you combine their young talent and where they are with the money, yeah. They they are in one of the weirdest like highest potential possible positions a team could possibly be in. Like they, they are in the, the potential to field the best, the most talented Denver Nuggets team of all time. If all they these have, guys they have put the potential to put happen. together the most talented team of all time. They won't. It won't happen. But if you if you say they oh, they keep that. if okay, <laughs> well let's just well, we we went through. I mean, the, oh, oh we yes, okay. The if they day. do that, yes, yes. But I mean, you look at that OKC team. They had three MVPs on one team. But but they were all 21, 22. How do you let that go? How do you how do you let that I, go? I don't know. God. But, yeah, I mean the Nuggets are in a crazy position. It, again, like like we were both saying, we don't. I don't think Gary Harris is ever going to hit that. Jamal is probably not going to hit that level, like Dame level. Um, Porter could. I mean, it's the injuries. Jokic, we have no idea what's going on in that dude's brain. You know, Bull like Bull a, is like a monkey with the tambourine sometimes. <laughs> Bull Bull is a walking toothpick, literally. He is. Is dental floss just walking around. <laughs> <laughs> so Five-mile-per-hour like, wind blows him away. Yeah. So obviously, like, it's fun thinking about their potential and and all of that, but, like, at the same time, you do have to be realistic. So we and get that. And it is that. the Denver Nuggets. And it's the Denver Nuggets. So with so. the luck of what Denver's history has been, I mean, most uh, to be honest, I'm shocked that Jokic is Jokic if you talk about Denver's luck. But, yeah, I mean – that's where they're at. So, and then hopefully by that time, Drew Locke is a two-time MVP, <laughs> and we're winning Super Bowls again. So I can at least, when I'm crying of misery watching the Nuggets <laughs> fail in the first round again, I can at least look at the Broncos and be like, "Thank you, thank you." Uh, yeah, it's I an mean, interesting team. It's yeah. an interesting team, and either way, we're excited for it. I mean, the NBA announced uh, today that Disney and the NBA have agreed uh, that Disney's coronado springs resort is likely to be the primary host resort for the league when they resume this season per keith smith of the nba so regardless it looks like we're getting the nba back we just don't know how it's going to happen i just want to just warn other denver nuggets fans that just got really excited after what we talked about no just prepare yourself that the nuggets there's a very good chance that they will be bounced in the first round there's, it's just the reality of it. Oh, yeah. And you got to remember yeah. their youth. You just have to yeah. continue to remember their youth. And it's just even yeah. Jokic is young. <laughs> like, like you know, it doesn't Honestly, feel like this it. year, if they if they lose in the first round, like, I'm not – It's it going to be disappointing. But I'm not going to hold it over them. Right. With everything that happened, even if a team wins the champion, like, yeah, that's that's – it takes a lot of guts for a team to win the championship coming out of – It's hard no matter what we're doing – but I know a lot of people say, oh, asterisks don't exist in sport. For me, I would look back on this and be like, yeah, that was kind of a fluky season. Unless Whether LeBron win wins it, it, then no, it was really difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless, unless LeBron wins it, then it, then, you know, it, it was extremely hard. <laughs> he had to carry everybody and nothing else matters. LeBron had to go through a pandemic to win. A cha- <laughs> Michael Jordan didn't have to beat a pandemic to win a championship. That's the new argument right there. You heard it here first. When did Jordan have to beat a pandemic? Jordan, Jordan took a break and he yeah, lost. Yeah. He came back yeah. and he lost. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the new one. I can already <laughs> see Skip Bayless's gears turning in how he can, you know, neutralize and bring down <laughs> this virus's impact 
on the season and all that stuff. Yeah. But we want to thank you for tuning in today. It was a fun show. We know it was mainly basketball related and Nuggets related, but we got a kick out of it. Hopefully you did too. This has been the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. We will catch you guys on Friday. Oh, <laughs> oh,